0: If you have your Bibles, this morning's Bible reading will be from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, as you can see on the screen. If, if not, you have a pew Bible, on um, page 1076, beginning in verse 13, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Mark chapter 10. uh, Jesus here is teaching, and I want to just spend some time this morning, even as... I am so excited about the 11 o'clock service. I'm excited about being here at 8.30, uh, but I know we're low um, because of the excitement that is going to go on here at 11 o'clock. If you want to stay for the entertainment, I'm sure it will be that, Um, but I am excited. You see these awards up here, a number of these awards. As you see these ribbons, I was counting up this week. I believe most of these ribbons represent at least 40 Bible verses and the books of the Bible. And so as you can see, all these ribbons up here are just demonstrating to us the number of Bible verses that um, these kids have learned this this year uh, in the last, what, six, seven, eight months. And so I'm excited about what's going to happen. But I also want to just take us some time to look at Mark chapter 10, uh, the dealing with children here. And I want to give us a little bit of context. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, and we're not going to read it, Jesus is teaching on marriage and so here's this huge crowd, it's, it's following Jesus, these Pharisees come and say, okay, we're going to have the million dollar question, let's trap him in this question, is it lawful to divorce? And Jesus begins to teach on marriage and divorce here, and you see that the discussion happens, and then in verse 10 it says, and in the house the disciples begin to ask him, So here's Jesus, he's out, there's this huge crowd following him, the Pharisees come up, they say, we're going to deceive him, we're going to catch him, we're going to trap him in this question he can't get away from, and so Jesus begins to talk about the purpose of marriage and so forth. The disciples come to him, they go into this house, the disciples begin to ask him more about this. This is still a matter that we discuss theologically today, and so here's this great theological debate. And the disciples are like, no, 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 we need you to teach us. We need to know the gist of all this. And so you can imagine, here they are, they're in this house, the disciples are sitting there, there's this big theological debate going on, they're learning from Jesus, God himself, and so, I mean, this is the moment, I mean, this is a climax, man, we are going to learn something. And we get to verse 13, and it says, and they were bringing children. I think there's a couple notable things here that we can see in this passage. Number one, the people that are bringing the children are not important enough to be named. It doesn't say those from Bethlehem. It doesn't say, uh, you know, some of Jesus' family. It doesn't say people from Jerusalem. It doesn't mention their fathers or their grandfathers. It just says, and some people, they are sitting here, and here they are. Now, remember, great theological debate. Okay, we're learning from Jesus. Jesus is, I mean, he is just laying it all out there for them. And here come these parents. Not important enough to be named. Not important enough to bring up who they are, who the kids are. It just says, and they were bringing children. They're not anyone special. They're just common people that are coming to have this healer that they have heard about bless their children This blessing is not unusual. There is evidence even in in historical writings that uh, some of the Jews on the Day of Atonement would come and have rabbis bless their children. You can even look back to the patriarchs, and if you remember, as, as Jacob is dying, he did what? He blessed, laid his hands on and blessed his kids. Isaac did the same. And so here's this healer, Jesus. He's walking around, and as he's teaching and he's healing people, the parents say, This is the rabbi. This is a teacher. We want, if anybody's going to bless my kid, I want this guy. I mean, the touch of this man's hand heals people. And so they bring, they're bringing their children. And it seems to indicate that word for children there could mean anywhere from 12 on down. But in verse 16, it says he took them in his arms. So it seems to indicate that these are smaller children. And so here, here, let's just set the background again. Here's this huge theological debate, and they're all sitting there, and they're listening to Jesus. And if you know anything about my kids, here comes Katie, right? Going to climb on everything. And if she doesn't get down and get running, she's going to scream, right? And so here come these parents with these kids, and they're probably all like the preacher's kids, right? Wild and out of control. And so here they come, and there's this line of parents with these kids. They're going to bring them in, and the disciples are like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is going on in here is way too important for this, right? I mean, we're getting the answer to marriage and divorce and how God has designed all this. We we don't have time for these kids. And so we're going to see here in a moment, the disciples say, well, well, we're going to put a stop to this. And so this blessing is coming, but I want to see here this morning what we can learn from a child. Jesus takes these children and says, adults, adults. You can learn something. And so I want to look very quickly at this passage. The first thing we see here, in this passage, these children were brought to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples had been influenced by their society. You say, How do you know? Turn back one chapter, Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, they're on their way to Capernaum. You see in verse 33. And when he was in the house, they were having this huge discussion. And Jesus walks up and says, what were you discussing? Okay, You're having this, this huge discussion on the way. And they kept silent because they had argued about who was the greatest. So here the disciples are walking along, and they're having this huge discussion. Who's the greatest? Well, obviously, I'm the greatest. I was the first one asked to be the disciple. No, 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 no. I'm the greatest. You know, And, and they're having this argument about who Jesus loves the most. You ever did that as a kid? There were five of us. We still, we have a shirt that we pass around at Christmas, Greg's mom's favorite, okay? It says, I'm mom's favorite, and that's the thing that goes around at Christmas. It's the big joke, and it always ends up with my brother Greg, because he's definitely mom's favorite. There's no doubt about it. If we go home for Christmas, it's like, Greg, what do you want me to cook for you, right? It doesn't matter what anybody else wants. It's Greg, Greg's mom's favorite. But anyways, all that to say, they're having this huge discussion. Who is going to be the greatest? Jesus sat down and called, them, called the twelve and said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms. The same term, the same phrase you're going to see in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, right? He took, them in his, took him in his arms and he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And so here, just a chapter earlier, Jesus says this is what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. If you're going to receive me, it's not about who is the greatest, it's not about who is number one. It is about who is willing to serve. And he grabs this child and he says, If you will receive this child, it is demonstrating that you are kingdom focused. It says, If you receive me. So here's the test we turn back to Mark chapter 10, right? just just a half a chapter earlier. This is what it looks like to be God-focused, to be kingdom-focused. And in Mark chapter 10, they said, wait a second, kids are not worth the master's time. Wait a second, they're loud, they're crazy, they're wild. We are having this big theological discussion. Now is not the time. We are going to protect the master. And so what do the disciples do? The disciples... Rebuked them The disciples were missing something while the society of that day looked down on the children. they had no importance until the age of 10, 12 13, where they could go and work in the fields. they were nothing but a nuisance. The disciples had gotten wrapped up by their society, and they rebuked them. The word rebuke" means to drive away with severe words. In fact, if you just look down in the same chapter 10, chapter 10 verse um, 48, it says and many rebuked him, that being uh, the blind man. okay, He was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. That word rebuke is also used when Jesus t- rebukes Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. They were not in a kind way telling them the door is closed. They were using severe words and saying no we have more important things. We're going to protect the master. And so here they are. These parents are bringing their children to be blessed by Jesus. And all of a sudden the line stops. The disciples are outside saying, no, you cannot go in. They were missing a couple things about the kingdom of God. They're missing Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is a man whose quiver who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Jesus had taught them about this in chapter 9. Jesus fights for those that are weak and needy and helpless, and is that not what children are? Jesus is not con- commending the children because of what they have. He is commending the children because of what they do not have. We often look at kids, right? little baby. Oh, they're so sweet. They're so innocent. That's not what Jesus is commending. What Jesus is commending is that these infants, these children are helpless. They're needy. And so they live in what? Absolute dependence and faith, right? My kids don't sit there all day going, you know what? I don't know what we're going to have for supper. Well, me. The rest of them don't ever sit there going, I don't know what we're going to have. We're probably not going to have supper tonight. We're probably not going to eat. I don't know if we're going to have supper. Kids don't do that. Why? Because the kids have aptitude, absolute dependence at what? About 5, 6 o'clock. Guess what's going to be on the table? Food. Right? They don't spend their day like we do. Oh, man, man i got to make money, blah, blah, blah. They, they never think of that. Why? They are in absolute dependence on their parents. And what Jesus is commending and challenging us in regards to these children. Here are people, those that are going to be, and this is what he says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Those that are going to be in the kingdom are not going to be arguing about who's the greatest. They're going to realize that they are helpless and needy people that need Jesus we're going to discuss this later on this summer. I'm looking forward to our series. I'm going to do a series on the calling of Christ and what Christ called people to do. And we're going to look at this next man in the chapter. So we're not going to study it today. But the rich young young ruler, the rich young man, as as my Bible terms it. Jesus uses him as an example right after this passage to say, here's a guy that thought he had it all together and didn't need anything. And Jesus says, to such belong the kingdom of heaven, those that are needy and helpless. Why? Because those are the ones that Jesus fights for. Psalm chapter 68, verse 4 and 5. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song to Him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord and exalt before Him. Why? Because He's the Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in His holy habitation. And here Jesus says, listen, you want to have this big theological debate and be all about the adults, but I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is like these little children those that are needy and helpless, those are the ones that Jesus helps. Why? Because they realize they need something. They live in faith. So Jesus says here, we see the disciples being sucked in by society, and Jesus says what? When Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Folks, I want to show you that Jesus fights for kids. He was indignant now, if you read some commentaries on this, they try to play that down he wasn't really mad. The word means grieved much, irritated or angry. now you can be angry without sinning. Bible says, be angry, sin not but Jesus was much grieved. How dare you do what? look what he says: do not let the children come to me. do not hinder them. He was indignant. Jesus was fighting for children. Jesus was grieved. Why? Because he realized the actions of the disciples were going to hinder these kids from coming to Jesus. Ken Hughes put it this way, men are never more near the heart of Christ than they are when they are playing with children. Folks, if we as Poplar Spring are going to demonstrate the love and the heart of Christ, we have got to demonstrate the love and heart of Christ in how we minister to kids. Jesus was very much grieved. He was angry. Sadly, sadly, we don't have to turn on the news much to find out that people are doing some very, very gruesome and terrible things to kids. And I think it has even affected our cultures in our church into this thinking that women deal with kids, men deal with adults. But folks, we, as God's people, should have the heart of Christ in dealing with kids. And Jesus says, do not hinder them. Another place he said, what? Those that offend children, it is worse They might as well do what? Tie their millstone around the neck and be thrown into the sea. Folks, Jesus fights for kids. If we are going to demonstrate the heart of Christ, then we as a church should love, protect, and minister to children. But our churches often look down on children. You can ask anybody, and you say, our church obviously doesn't. we got a ton of them. But it doesn't take you long to walk around with four kids to find out what our society thinks of children. Hey, don't you know what causes that? If i had a dollar for every time I heard that. I mean, you, you don't know that you're supposed to stop at two, right? Oh, we're excited about children. We're excited about Awana. But listen, Folks, listen, we have got to invest in children because it even pours over into our churches. I have been told in churches that I have served in, oh, wait, wait, wait. We, it's great to have the kids, we just don't want them in the sanctuary. They, they, they take out the em- pew envelopes and the tithing envelopes and they color on them, and we can't have that. And so our churches have gone what? To children's services and teen services, and when they're adults, then they're old enough and they can come in and serve and worship with us. What have we done, folks? In some ways, I believe that we have hindered children from coming to God. Why? Because they don't—they don't belong in here. We're having adult converse, theological conversations. Man, we're—I ha- mean, we're really discussing the deep stuff. And Jesus said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop the conversation. What? What is Jesus interested in here? Hey, you can have this conversation later." We have children that need to be blessed. And he said, you don't don't tell them not to come in here. Bring them in and I will bless them. And Jesus not only blessed them, he did what in verse 16? Took them up in his arms. You can imagine Jesus. Jesus is not just going, bless you, my child, bless you. He is picking them up in a loving. Can you imagine the creator of all the universe holding your baby, the one that made that baby, holding that baby and blessing it. Here, Jesus demonstrates, I love children. Let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. How do we hinder children? Well, one, if you're a parent in here, we can uh, hinder our children from coming to Jesus by teaching them what's important and what's not. I'm going to read you some statistics, but statistically, before the age of 13, kids that come to the Lord, 50% are led to the Lord by their parents. But, folks, listen, I'm afraid today in our churches, we hinder our kids because guess what? If there is anything that comes up rather than church, it becomes more important than church. If there's anything that comes up that is more, that, that just takes our time, TV, sports, games, Whatever it is, oh, we'll do all these other things, and then we'll say, well, we just don't have time for church. Church is the first thing that we cut off the list when everything else is going on around us. And you know what your kids are learning very quickly? God is nothing more than the thing that we do if we have time. If we have time for God, we'll read the Bible. If we have time for God, we'll go to church. But entertainment, sports... Listen, you are hindering your child from coming to Jesus. Because we're learning very quickly as we look back at the previous generation that 70 to 80% of kids when they hit the age of 18 are no longer a part of church. That we have failed in ways in bringing our kids to Christ, to understanding what it is to live a life in Christ. We do it as parents We do it as churches. When we struggle and fight for the idea that we don't have enough workers in the church. In fact, uh, Barna Group had a a survey out. The number one reason that churches are closing down VBSs and not having VBSs is because they don't have enough adult workers for it. And Folks, listen. You can ask Bobby and Dolly. You can ask any of these people with these fine Awana shirts on. Especially Kirk and Tammy sitting here. When they have 12 and 15 kids lined up to say verses and we don't have enough adult workers that would be willing to take a half an hour on a Wednesday night to sit and listen to verses, we need more people. Our church should have a love and a burden for children. Why? Because Jesus did. And this, But this is, our, this is our, our mindset, folks. Listen. Think about it. When you say, hey, how do you serve in your church? Yeah, I teach the three- through five-year-olds. Oh. Oh, I teach an adult Sunday school class. Oh, well, praise the Lord for that. Right? I was asked last weekend, now that you got your, your, your MDiv and you graduated from seminary, when are you really going to become a pastor? Right? When, when are you going to be done working with the kids? Because what does that look like? That's the sideshow to get to the real show. Right? Those that work with kids... And is this not true, even in our churches? The ones that work with kids are the ones that were what? Buying their time until they get to the big show, right? They're the pastor. They can pastor their own church. Why? Because the ones that work with kids just aren't ready to really preach. You know what, folks? If you look at statistics, that's backwards. Because kids are going to make up, theologically, what they believe by the time they're 14 and 15. And we make it, hey, you go preach to the 30 and 40 year olds. You know what? Most of those have already made up their mind what they're going to believe. I'm not saying the spirit of God doesn't work. I looked at the statistics and I told Matt, I said, man, Stephen and I look at these, man, we, I don't know that we do anything. probable. I mean, you look at the numbers, it's all about what? Lives that are changed are children. We should desire and love and want to be involved in children's ministry. Why? Because you're shaping lives. My dad always put it this way. My dad still works with kids. Any of you that have met him, that he loves kids. He, he always said, when I get done pastoring, I'm going to go back and be a children's pastor. He acts like it sometimes. I don't know where he gets at. But here's what he always said. I'd rather build the fence on the top of the cliff than run the ambulance on the bottom. I'd rather teach the kids not to jump off the cliff than to be counseling them at 25, 26 when their marriage is broken and their lives are wrecked but we put a, such an emphasis on running the ambulance that often we aren't worried about building a fence. Jesus loved kids. Are we demonstrating Jesus' heart? Why, kids live in faith. They don't bring anything into the table. They're helpless, they're vulnerable, they're totally reliant, and that's how you have to be to come to God. I'm going to read you a couple statistics and I'll be done. Barna Group Research, you sure have heard of Barna, said 40%, 43% of all people that are saved trusted Christ before the age of 13. 43% of all the people they surveyed before the age of 13 had accepted Christ. From those that got saved between 13 and 18, it was cut in half. 21%. So by the age of 18, 64%... Of all those saved came to Christ before the age of 18. By the age of 21, it is, between 18 and 21, it's cut in half again. Okay? You get about a 12%. So listen to these numbers. By the age of 21, 77% of all the people that they surveyed had already come to Christ. Only 23% came to Christ after 20, the age of 21. What is that telling us? Folks, that's telling us that we better invest in children. It's not saying the Holy Spirit can't convict adults. Uh, we, we, we had a wonderful example of that with Melissa getting saved. We are looking forward to her baptism on the 14th. But listen, statistically, we better invest in children. We have got to change the next generation. And we can't let the generation grow up and have an unbiblical worldview and then go after them. We should be excited for these kids getting an award and realizing that they have learned 70 and 80 verses. It will change their lives. And then we need to be about... We need to be about teaching our children theology, the Bible. For too long, folks... Our children's ministries have been nothing more than a five-minute devotional and crafts and game times. And I'm not talking about necessarily Papa Spring. I'm talking about the church in a whole. But you, what you will find out very quickly if you work with kids is that they're a whole lot smarter than we give them credit for. They understand a whole lot more. If you're here at the 11 o'clock, you will find out these kids have learned more about the book of John than many of us have in our lifetime. And they get it. I was even challenged, I, if you've talked to my son, he's six, has his burden for Burkina Faso over in Africa to be a missionary, and, and there's nights where he's just sitting there sobbing and crying because he realizes, he, he'll tell Catherine, man, mommy, I'm going to miss you when I'm a missionary, but I just won't get to see you very often. What does that tell you about a six-year-old? He gets missions more than we do. He gets giving his life for Christ more than we do. But for too long, what have we looked at? Hey, that's our babysitting service. Right? That's our babysitting service so that the adults can come in here and get the theology. What did Jesus tell the disciples? Stop the theology here right now, this huge discussion, because I want to do what? Influence children. I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to bless them. Yeah, but... Jesus, they're just infants. Jesus says, don't you hinder them from coming to me. Jesus had a heart for children. A couple more statistics I want to read you, you, and then I'll be done. Listen to this. For those that are saved, before the age of 13, 50% were led to the Lord by their parents. The other thing we need to do, I believe, as a church, is we need to train parents to lead their kids to Christ. Why? 50%. This, this Again, this has discouraged me. You know what percentage of people before the age of 13 got saved listening to a pastor? 10%. Parents, you are five times more likely to lead your kid to Christ than the preacher. But it, and you can ask Stephen, counseling well, I don't know why my kid ever left the church. I took, him to sun, I took him to Sunday church every Sunday. But what is your life saying the other six days? Folks, the importance of leading our kids to Christ is not just on the church. It is on the church coming alongside the parents and helping them train their children in the way that they should go. So when they are old, they will not depart from them. What that tells us, folks, is that we must be about children. Training parents to impact children for Christ. Poplar Spring should make children a priority. We need more wanna workers. We need more children's Sunday school workers. We need more nursery workers. Why? So that we can have a daycare? No. I am firmly against that. Jennifer and I have worked at getting good theological books, even in the nursery, so that you can read them to two-year-olds. Why? Because I don't want our nursery just to be a place where kids come and play for an hour. Two-year-olds, one-year-olds can begin to understand truths about God. Three- through five-year-olds can begin to understand truths about God. Our desire is not that we have some kind of daycare so the adults can come here and get fed. Our desire is that we can take those kids and and teach them theological truths that they can learn to love God. Why? Why? Because they know they're helpless. They know they're needy. They have a faith that doesn't have all these questions. They just believe. Jesus says, to such are the kingdom of God. Folks, listen. Nominating committee has begun to meet. We need Sunday school teachers. You ask any of these fine workers that have worked with our kids... For an hour and a half to two hours every Wednesday night, we need a Awana leaders if it's nothing more than people to come in and listen to verses. Why? Because if we're going to have the heart of Christ, we need to have a heart that is wrapped around kids. We need to be reaching our kids. All you have to do is go up by the elementary school to see how many kids are being dropped off every day of the week, That need Jesus. What are we doing to reach those kids?